Hello, and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Raziel, and this is a show where I get to talk to some really cool people about that nice intersection between business and sports. And today, I have Kynan Marlin. He is the manager of creative content for athletics at Georgetown University, formerly with the Washington Wizards. Kynan, how you doing today, man? Doing pretty good. How about you? Just pretty good. It's Friday. It's beautiful out. It's such a great day to be alive. Just pretty good. Come on, man. You got to get yeah. more than that. Maybe better if COVID wasn't. Yeah, I guess pandemics really do kind of throw a wrench into things. But hey, man, we got to stay positive. We got to do what we can. I appreciate you for coming on. Very excited to talk about video production. Kynan has produced three documentaries. So very excited to talk about each of them and and really the general process with all of them. But Kynan, first question I have for everybody on the For the Love of Sports podcast is, why do you love sports so much? Um, I guess I've always just like, my dad was a football football coach growing up. And um, I'm from El Paso, Texas, where the sports aren't as good as other parts of Texas, like Dallas and Houston. Um, But he took the first El Paso team to like the semifinals or quarterfinals of the state championship. So I've always had a big love of football because my dad and just always played as many sports as possible. Um, Big basketball fan. That's kind of what stuck with me. So, yeah. Are you more Rockets or Mavericks? Uh, Thunder. Thunder? Yeah. Okay. Big uh, UT Longhorn fan. So ah. when Katie got drafted, first game was Suns versus Supersonics that I saw. And then they moved to OKC and I had some family in Tulsa. So Good enough for me, man. I drove through yeah. Oklahoma City once um, and it probably took about four minutes. Small place. I hear it's pretty great though. Um, no, no, yeah. uh, no shots there. I think it's, I hear it's a pretty cool place. So, you went to school at Arizona State, noted a uh, big, fun, some would almost say a party school, um, and you enjoy the heck out of yourself, I'm hoping. And you were in the journalism um, school, communication school while you were there. What is it about sports journalism that made you want to devote, you know, four of those years, but then, you know, potentially the rest of your life to it? Yeah, I did three years at Cronkite, actually, uh, okay. the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism at ASU. And, um, I I guess a good story to get into that is since I was such a big football fan and player, um, I was actually in a coma going into high school and, uh, I wasn't able to play football anymore Mm -hmm. because of that. I was still able to play basketball. They said I could play baseball if I wanted to risk it and wear a helmet at all times. Being told to risk it wasn't really the best (laughs) way to make me want to play baseball again. So I just stuck with basketball after that. But um, that opened up a schedule in my fall semester because I didn't have the football class anymore. So I decided, well, I basically got shoved into a journalism class and I didn't think I was going to like it. And as I started writing for them, I got published in the newspaper a couple times. And then the next year I was a sports editor and I helped the football team out football team out by like uh just doing some general film for them so just being on top of uh at the highest angle basically and just getting that so they can watch it for practice film all 22 baby let's get it yeah and so that's really how i got into journalism and after that i went to Cronkite. i never wanted to be a tv broadcaster i always thought i was going to be print actually but um just based on like one or two classes I did in high school, I 
just had some skills that other people were just learning coming into college. And then I kind of just progressed like more and more through that. And I got into documentaries and it was just a really good way for me to stay in touch with sports after I wasn't able to play football anymore when yeah. I always thought I was going to play football. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty intense. Um, so maybe we need a documentary on you one of these days, especially after you become super, super successful, but I guess, so it sounds like it wasn't really the, the, the journalism aspect. It was more just like the storytelling aspect again with the three documentaries that you produced and really understanding that aspect of it. It sounds pretty intense, man. That sounds really, really intense. So thank you for, for doing what you're doing and sharing these stories and, and really having a voice and, and letting others have a voice. I think that's pretty important. And we'll get to those journalism or the uh, documentaries in a second. I guess, what is it about the video medium? Like, was was the first time you ever used a camera when you were actually capturing film? Or the first time you, uh, I don't know, professionally used a camera was when you were capturing film for the football team? Um, I guess when I took a class at my high school was the first time. And then okay. um, I started doing that kind of the same time, but you know, it wasn't, I, I don't even know if you could call it professionally mm -hmm. because the cameras were not great and all that, but definitely maybe more so in college was like the first professional time when I started working for like uh, the student newspaper and stuff mm -hmm. I started making stories and having editing other people's videos so that they could get produced by our student newspaper too. But yeah. Okay. That's, uh, and now that's what you're doing as a career. That's pretty impressive. Uh, that quick turnaround there. So I guess with that, um, I know there's a story that will, uh, so chronologically, let's stay in chronological order. So you did how many of these documentaries in college? I did three, all three uh, of them. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about them first then. So I have, there's three written, I have three written down here. Watch, as I told you, I watched two of them fully. One of them, uh, it got a little much, so I unfortunately had to turn it off, forgot to go back to it. Blind Courage, uh, about a blind high school football player, Adonis Watt. You have Life's Curveball, about Gabby Stollard. She has cerebral palsy, and she is a softball player. And then you have Fight of a Lifetime with Daisy Held. A ju uh, she learned jujitsu because she was in an abusive relationship to fend off, essentially, her um, her abusive boyfriend, this is pretty intense, man. I'm not going to lie to you. All of those are pretty darn intense. So I guess, what is it about these types of stories? That, like, how, how do you, first, how do you find these people? How do you then ask them to be a part of this project? Like, like that's a pretty heavy ask, I think. Yeah. Um, it's definitely interesting that people would allow other people to document their lives, I guess. I always thought that was kind of funny because I don't know if I would ever give someone that much, like, insight into my own life just with how low-key I kind of am but uh yeah I the first one was the Adonis Watt one and on the blind football player and how we got into that was basically me and some other students joined a documentary class at Cronkite at ASU and um I didn't know what I was going to do but I really wanted to get into documentaries because it seemed really interesting and uh, someone else in the class pitched this idea. And then basically all the people that wanted to do sports journalism got on, got on it. And uh, me and three other people started working on it together. Mm -hmm. um, we just reached 
we found out about it because someone did a local news story on him. And to me, it's crazy that they did like a minute video on him and were able to tell his story. And we wanted to like really dive into it more and get more of his background. And I guess we ended up basically showing how he inspires other people Mm -hmm. around him. But um, yeah, that was the first one. And yeah, let's, let's let's take it let's take it time at a time because again all of them were incredible. I mean, just right. the fact that this kid. I mean, in this he, I, I if I please correct me if I'm wrong. He he plays in practice. Like I watched him take handoffs and you know get tackled as a running back in practice. When when talking to someone like this, like how how do you make sure to kind of remove yourself from the situation almost and kind of you know like that whole you know if you see something bad happening but you have the camera, like, are you supposed to stop it from happening? Or are you supposed to capture it kind of thing? Like, I don't, not to say that so this is something bad that happened, but at some point someone's got to be like, man, you're blind. You can't really play. Like, why are you doing like, how do you kind of remove yourself from that situation to just kind of step back and just be able to capture that footage and get the information from all the people around him and ask those questions without baking in kind of your, your own personal beliefs or, or your own personal narrative. Yeah. So, I mean, I definitely had the same idea that like someone that's a hundred percent blind shouldn't be playing football. Yeah. And it's pretty crazy. I don't know if I would do that for my kid if they wanted to play football and were blind, but, um, I mean, once we were just there to kind of document what was going on. And as we interviewed more and more people, we saw like the impact that he had on all these kids and they all had the same story of, I mean, yeah, I didn't think it was a good idea. And then he goes out there and he's just as good as the rest of us. I mean, obviously he has these things that work against him. It's just his sight, but he's able to get past it and do what he can with what he has. And it was just really interesting seeing everybody kind of take the same thing away from it Mm -hmm. um and we would ask people i mean like how long does he realistically have this going on for him can he get to varsity uh like can he go past that and nobody wanted to put any limits on him I, i think that was another kind of common theme was his mom and coaches and everybody wanted to put this limit on what he could and couldn't do and he just showed people that he could go above that. And so being a football player yourself, how much did this story, like how much fun did you have getting to hear all these and understand, like, unfortunately you were not able to play anymore, but you know, there are people out there with limitations that are still, you know, doing anything they can to play this game that is loved by so many around the country. Yeah. Um, I mean, I really wanted to keep playing football and I couldn't, and my yeah. parents wouldn't let me, but Naturally, I, I understand yeah. where you're coming from there. I mean, I, I think it used to affect me a lot when I was like covering or I was shooting film for the high school football team that I was supposed to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was always kind of tough when I was in high school, like sitting there watching the games from above the stands and not really being able to play. And I mean, that hurt. But as time went on, I just had to learn to get over it and just make the best of like what I had. And but so uh, like comparing 
and and watching Adonis and what he's doing, how much joy did that bring you? Like seeing that, you know, a lot of people said, hey, man, you shouldn't like again, you physically like as I'm assuming you get hit in the head hard enough. It's it's probably not very good. He, of course, you know, again, he had things against him, which was his sight. Right. Um, but he still went out there and still did it. Like how much fun did you have being able to help tell his story, especially again within the sport that you love so much? Yeah, I, I love telling his story just because a lot of people were making news videos on him and all these videos had voiceovers and they were quick and to the punch as like TV news mm-hmm. always is, even when it's a longer video than say a standard like 15, 30 seconds. But I really just enjoyed having him open up to us. Uh, I don't know if people could tell, but he was very soft-spoken he didn't have much to say sometimes but definitely in the clip where we got him by the fire uh, near the end of that documentary he started to really open up to us and give us like really great answers and it i just thought it was important that people heard his story through his mouth and not Mm -hmm. through what other people saw from him i guess Yeah, I hate when that happens. Someone else is doing a voiceover about this guy. Well, like he can talk, right? Like let him let him tell his story. Yeah. You know, I want to hear his inflection. I want to hear his emotion. I want to feel that. Um, I don't want some news anchor. And, and shout out, I have friends that are news anchors. So shout out yeah. to all of them. They all yeah. have that fake voice that we know, and it just kind of ruins everything, in my opinion. I want to hear the real raw emotion in it. Right. And the cool thing with that documentary is, as we were doing, as I was shooting like uh, his final game or one of his final games that season, uh, someone from a production company came up to me and they were also doing a documentary on him. And that documentary ended up airing on Disney Plus. And it was pretty cool because I got my name included in the credits for Hell yeah. giving them like one or two shots that they used. So that was pretty cool. That is awesome, man. Congratulations. You're on Disney Plus now. I can yeah. go watch it. I can go upstairs and when I'm finished with this stuff, when when we're finished with this conversation, I can go watch it. So um that is super cool, man. And so I guess you kind of answered it, but my next question was going to be like what you know, at, being a film student and you know, having I'm assuming some type of supervision from a teacher, what exactly is your role in, in this one specifically? And if it's the same in all of them, you know, you just let me know. But like what what exactly was your role within this documentary, Blind Courage? Um Technically, it was the producer. Um, We had a teacher that oversaw everything and helped us at times, like, kind of lay out our script to where it would make the most sense and help us with, like, just inspiration, showing us different documentaries, different techniques. Um, But, yeah, I was technically the producer for that one, and I came up with help of other students and my teacher, obviously, but I came up with the script. Um, I did a lot of the cinematography in it. I think a lot of the shots from him at the game or like some practices were mostly mine. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, produced, came up with the script. So the story behind it and then edited it. We had uh, Dustin, one of our guys, he did the motion graphics for that. Mm-hmm. And the, I guess the credits at the end, he animated something for that too. Um, he also did our sound. And Shout out Dustin. Yeah. <laughs> Luke did our uh, color correction. 
and then Grace was our uh, director. Love it. Crack team you got there, assembled, man. I love it, yeah. kind of killing it, killing it, killing it. And so uh, that one, I want to talk about that one. Obviously, you being a football player, um, well, learning that you didn't tell me that in our initial phone call uh, conversation. So I got to learn that through this conversation. And I definitely am excited. I'm glad that we spent a little time on that one because obviously, again, the 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 connection between you and the the subject of the documentary, I think, is very important. And obviously, it being centered around football. And I, this was in Arizona, and I actually lived in Arizona. I lived in Chandler for about six months. Uh, went you, to a couple. A, you probably a, a, know Brophy then. No, 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 no. It was um, it was a. I was there for work, so it was a it was a weird okay. six months. But I went to a couple ASU games. Um, heard all about the high school football that was going on, so I know how big it is out there. It is insane. So. Right. It's, it's pretty impressive that this kid, um, Adonis, was able to do what he did, especially in a powerhouse state like Arizona. I think that's pretty impressive. So moving on. So then the next documentary, was that Life's Curveball? Yes. Okay, uh, so Life's Curveball is Gabby Stollard. She is a high school softball player that has cerebral palsy. Again, same thing. Like, how do you how do you approach her family about this? How do you approach her about this? And, and again, all of these stories are inspirational, which is awesome. But they are very heavy. Um, and you're telling a real story. This isn't a puff piece or anything, which I think is important. So, again, with this one, it's the same thing. Like, what what was your role? How did you go about, like, kind of bringing this up to the family and the subject and, and really getting to capture all this by taking a step back and really just looking at everything? Because there's a point, and I apologize for making this question really long. There's a point where her sister is talking about her. And it's, it's it, she doesn't hold back really like it's it's pretty it's pretty impressive how real it was so i mean what what was it like with this this second documentary now kind of getting your feet wet a little bit too um yeah so i think the first class that i took really gave me the confidence to do something like this mm-hmm. and um i i made this uh video this second documentary for another class where it was um I did it as the final project in one of my classes. So I didn't have the entire semester to work on it as I did the other one. And as you know, like most documentary crews work on something for at least like half a year or a year or multiple years. So in that sense, like we didn't have as much time as other people did. But um, this story came to me uh, because I was searching for stories for my last, my final project in this class. And um, there was two that I was like leaning between. I think one was a baseball player who had just come back from like cancer and like hit a game winning RBI or something. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't have enough time as schedule to do this, I guess. So mm-hmm. I ended up reaching out to, Gabby's dad, who's the head softball coach for the team. And I just went out to a practice and saw what they did. And he allowed me to record some like uh, one or two games, one one or two practices and get to interview mom, sister, him and Gabby herself. Um, I mean, it's really inspiring because I didn't, I guess I didn't know that much about cerebral palsy before it happened, but she is basically playing softball with one hand Mm -hmm. because her other hand isn't strong enough. And just again, it's really interesting to see how she inspires everybody around her, even though she might not think she's an inspiration and like that she gets bullied, but I mean, 
she she just has so much to show everybody with how hard she works and what she's able to accomplish with like those limitations. It was it was very impressive. Um, again, her family was very real. They were very like blunt, uh, I guess, for lack of a better term, about what's going on. And they're just like, yeah, she pretty much can't use like the left half of her body. So she has to play first base, catch the ball, take her mid off and then throw it with the same hand. So it was um it was very impressive, um, you know, capturing that, capturing, again, the real raw emotion and, uh, you know, uh, the entire family, as you said, I think is pretty important. And then the third one that you did in college, Fight of a Lifetime, uh, with Daisy Held, she learned jujitsu because she was in an abusive relationship. Again, I never made it through this one because it was um, it was pretty heavy. Uh, I will make sure all the links will be in the show notes as well. So anybody out there listening to the episode, they can check them out because they're very well done, of course. But this one in particular, I mean, where... Again, where, where does the idea come from and, and how do you approach her about something like this? As you said, like the first one, it's a blind football player and, and he's doing his thing. And that's awesome. This one, I mean, it, it gets pretty heavy for a little bit. Um, and I know I've used that word a few times. So maybe I have to figure out another uh, synonym or whatever. But this one um, is very, very impressive. Uh, so I guess t- tell me a little bit of backstory about this one. Yeah, so it's kind of the same thing. I uh, started working for another class and... I wanted to make, it was our professional program. So, you know, if you're a doctor, you go into the professional program and you work at a hospital. Our professional program for journalism and sports journalism was creating videos or articles or taking pictures for Cronkite News, which is like basically a news program that our Mm -hmm. school runs and all that. Um, I wanted to do video because at this point I knew I was better at video than some of my other skills. And even though I didn't, I never wanted to be on TV, like I said. So I was in a little bit of a weird situation where I didn't know what to do. And I ended ended up talking to uh, an assistant dean and our sports director about how I could basically go through this professional program without um, while doing something that would help me in like Mm -hmm. my career. And I really wanted to do documentaries. So I talked about doing like maybe fewer stories. I could do longer videos, fewer stories, obviously, and get more like insight on stuff. So the first idea that I was kind of pitched or that I pitched to them was this jujitsu person who's a world champion and she helps her dad with like gardening on the Mm -hmm. side to pay for uh, her classes, basically her gym membership and stuff. And by the way, her sister also does jujitsu and she's like an inspiration. So that's what the original idea was. Uh, I was planning to just getting her, I was planning on just getting B-roll of her doing a meet or two, a practice, Mm -hmm. and her doing gardening and, like, just basically, like, working on someone's backyard and, like, stuff like that. Uh, After my first interview with her, I then realized that her family had moved from Mexico and... I mean, you should really go back and watch the documentary because it's like thing after thing happens to Mm -hmm. her. Her mom passes away. Apparently, she almost passed away when she was a child and came back to life. I saw, yeah, like lighter fluid or something. Like she like breathed in a bunch of lighter fluid and actually died for a couple seconds. Yeah, man. 
That one her, was her mom has um, a pretty bad disease and she dies and comes back to life. And she does jujitsu because she's was in an abusive relationship. And like every time I did a new interview with her, I was realizing that this wasn't even going to be a, a shorter, longer piece of that. Makes mm-hmm. sense. I was, I realized I had to take the whole semester to kind of like tell the story. So that's why I ended up doing and lucky enough for me, uh, the sports director was understanding of what I wanted to do and understood how important it was to me. So he allowed me to do that and then cut me off and be like, well, I mean, you just need to get a story out. Let's go. What's it like kind of finding that story out, right? Like that is, as, as we've been talking a little bit about it, it's pretty intense. So what's it like? It's like, oh, it's just this inspirational jujitsu story. Like, this is great. And now all of a sudden you find all this other stuff. As you said, each interview is something new, something new, something new. How, how do you handle that in the moment? And, and how do you then go back and rework what you were originally intending on doing? Yeah, this story was pretty difficult because I didn't want to just list things that had happened yeah. to her. So it was really tough to kind of connect everything together. And what we ended up doing is we got a quote from her mom that basically said she's been a warrior her entire life. And through all these things, she's just become a lot stronger. But it wasn't easy doing these interviews and then coming back and being like, I mean, what's the theme? Like, how are we going about this? How am I supposed to lay this out? So, I mean, eventually I talked to my professor or our director and we figured out the best way to go about it without it just sounding like I was naming terrible things that happened Mm -hmm. to her. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's impressive, man. So yeah, I'll make sure all three of the documentaries are in the show notes, uh, links to them so people can check them out. Um, so I do appreciate you there. So obviously doing these three documentaries is something very important. Um, I know you took some certain classes and we'll get to that while you're at ASU, which really helped land a couple jobs. But I know after you were coming out of school, there's you were supposed to move to L.A. because you were going to get a job out there and then something fell through. Correct. If you don't mind telling me that story, because then that kind of again gets us to the Wizards, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So you're you're kind of close. Okay. Um, close. So those last three semesters where I did in the fall, um, Adonis. And the spring, I did the softball Gabby story. And in the summer, I did the jujitsu story. So with our professional program, you can take the class at Cronkite. Um, that's where most people are in Phoenix, I mean. That's mm-hmm. where most people take it. Um, in LA, if you're really interested in sports and like want to go out there. Or in DC, if you're interested in politics. So... I had planned like my whole, I guess, like experience around Mm -hmm. ending up in LA for my last semester doing Cronkite news and then, um, working like basically my girlfriend and I would move out there and both try to find jobs because I knew it was a big market. I thought we could both find jobs in our fields and that was the plan of doing that. So we made a few trips out to LA, talked to the director out there trying to figure out where we would live in LA. It's not easy because everything's so expensive. Mm-hmm. And 
Um, I then also had interviews with a couple teams. Uh, one was the Chargers, and it was making it was ba- it basically was what I wanted to do. I was torn between like making documentaries after college as a profession or working for a team. And this was working for a team making documentaries. And I was like, Oh wow, that's pretty cool. (laughs) So I interviewed with them. It went like extremely well. And then, but they need someone full time. So that didn't really work out because of that. They told me like that, they wanted me. They told me, we're not telling you not to graduate, but. Don't graduate. Yeah. <laughs> and past that, the class also got canceled in LA because the mm-hmm. director retired or got a new job or something. And that kind of threw a wrench in my entire plan. I needed to get a new lease in Phoenix, kind of figure out where to go forward from there. Um, and even though I wasn't going to intern for or work for the chargers, I was going to help them out, go to a couple like practices or Mm -hmm. whatever and help them with their documentary on my free time. And that got axed because I'm not moving out to LA to take my final class anymore. Mm -hmm. But then I made the, the, the jujitsu documentary and that was really cool. So I can't, uh, yeah kind of ish it was worth yeah. it i think again that story is the most impressive i mean they're all incredible stories so i think you did a great job with each of them but that one is is the most intense i think and so in that case then so then you take all this information you take everything you got how did you eventually land so again you wanted to get into sports so you were planning on moving to la ironically you end up moving to dc to take the job with the wizards which was initially as you were saying if you move to dc if you want to be in politics thankfully you're not into politics for your own um personal health let's call it um so how how did the job with the wizards come about and how did you make sure that you could set yourself apart by really showing them hey look at all of this work that i've done up to this point and not even getting paid to do it yet yeah so um that summer while i was making the documentary I was also a, basically massive jobs and I had a work document of like every job that I had applied to. And there was at least a hundred, if not more. So I would go to say there are hundreds, even though I can't remember the number off the top of my head. Um, things weren't really working out. A lot of it has to do with timing. That's kind of, what messed up the whole Chargers thing because that was the perfect job. That's exactly what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But the timing just didn't work out. And that's really just huge for jobs, mm-hmm. especially in sports, I think. But um, so I was mass applying to jobs. I was getting some things back, but they weren't really like working out. Like either the pay wasn't great or the opportunity didn't work out. And I had to think of what my girlfriend was also going to do in the city and that she's applying. She has to think of like what I'll be able to get in that city too. So we were really kind of just looking at major cities like DC, um, Boston, New York, San Francisco, um, Dallas, Houston, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And not Oklahoma you know, city. Not, not Oklahoma City. Not much PR for my girlfriend to do out there. So 
as much as there was a job for the Thunder that I thought kind of fit for me, but I didn't apply because we just couldn't really do that. Anyways, um, DC was somewhere that my girlfriend always wanted to live in and she wanted to get her master's out here. So as we were getting closer, she got a job interview for a company. And then I started to really hone in on DC and started reaching out to people that I had applied, reaching out to people in charge of the positions that I applied for. And that kind of worked out when with the wizards, because I sent them my video reel. I sent them my after effects reel. So like just different graphics and visual effects that I could make. I sent them my photography and my resume. And then I emailed that directly to the person who eventually became my boss. And he, uh, he reached back out to me and set up an interview in like a week. And that was kind of insane to me because he actually responded. And I had been doing that for a lot of different places and Mm -hmm. people either weren't responding or I just didn't fit the position. So that was really nice. Yeah. <laughs> that was very nice. Yes. He finally, someone got back to you and, and surprised. That's the one job that you get, right? So you're with the Wizards. You weren't with them for too, too long. Um, so what was your position there? What did you do? And, and I mean, how much fun did you have doing it? Um, so I was an intern for their uh, digital media team. Mm-hmm. And um, I was mostly focused on like post-production stuff. Uh, they said that they were, really wanted me on because of like what they saw in my After Effects reel. And they wanted me to add like visual effects to players, kind of how the Duke social media does. Let's go Duke. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) So I started doing that. I was taking a lot of photos for them. Um, Trying to think what I didn't get much like video experience while I was there, which was a little bit of a bummer, but I ended up doing uh, towards the end of my internship doing videos for their G league team where I had more freedom to be on the mm-hmm. court and kind of just more freedom for myself to do creative things while at the wizards during the games, I was cutting up stuff from the broadcast and taking photos if they needed me to go into like the stands and get mm-hmm. something. Um, But yeah, like towards the end of the internship, when I started working with the G League team is when I really started to get in to my groove because I hadn't shot anything Mm -hmm. moving out to DC in the six months that I was there. And that was a little bit of a bummer for me since I had just come off making like three documentaries and stuff. And I wasn't getting much freelance work out here. And I wasn't able to like film stuff for the Mm -hmm. Wizards as much as I kind of wish I could have been able to, but like towards the end of it, I really kind of found a groove with what I was doing, I guess. There you go, man. Yeah. As long as you, and and of course, you know, those, especially internships, I mean, it's a lot of pay your dues. It's a lot of stuff. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people want to film stuff for the Wizards, right? You know, it's just one of those things where that's, they kind of had to be where you were to get to where they got to. And then, so after your internship with the Wizards, you are now, as I stated before, manager of creative content for athletics at Georgetown University. Um, going to Georgetown is pretty damn impressive. So you got a couple of pretty cool stu- uh, schools on your resume. And so I guess, you know, sa- same thing. Like, what what exactly are you doing in this role? And are you able to film a little bit more now? 
Yes. Awesome. So there I feel a lot more now. Um, pretty much, I guess, the head videographer at the time, um, when I accepted the position, they never had a position like that before. So there's been some like learning curves with, I, I guess, how we're going about things. Mm -hmm. um, like, again, like I said, we didn't have a full-time content creator and a year before I got there, we didn't even have a camera. So <laughs> like basically what we've been able to do since their first video intern that was there before me and then where I came in and then, I mean, we're, we're heading, it just keeps going up and I know we're bringing in a lot of talented graphic design and I think two or three video interns, social media interns, and then the marketing interns that we, uh, that my boss would always bring on. But uh, basically what I focus on is, I guess I'm in another sense, like the head videographer. Um, I, at games, I'm recording, I'm filming the games and then mm -hmm. creating a highlight video after uh, just coming up with different like motion graphics uh, just different interesting ways to announce things or just creative things to come up mm -hmm. with, I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that's pretty, that's pretty interesting. I mean, for such a smart school, you'd think they'd be a little ahead of the times, but it sounds like, honestly, they're a little behind, but thankfully they're catching up with someone like yourself. And I mean, now that you get to start filming again and use that creative, that creative side of your brain a little bit more uh, at least the filming side, not that you, you stop being creative, but does this is the, like knowing that you really wanted to do documentaries, especially after doing all of them and now doing something like this. And it seems seeming like you really enjoy it. Have you kind of opened up that, I guess, funnel a little bit more to different and new opportunities in video videography and filmmaking, or are you still trying to shoot really much towards the documentary side? Um, where you had, you know, those, those initial successes and that initial amount of fun. Yeah. I think, um, it's kind of like both. Um, obviously I take what I learned from doing documentaries to make cinematic recaps. And mm -hmm. one thing that I think might've hurt me when I was applying for jobs is I was never able to work for a team. I got to at ASU, you have to take a semester off, I believe. And then, you get paid the next semester you start working for ASU athletics. Mm -hmm. um, in my position, I wasn't able to do that because I had to have other student worker jobs. And if you work for ASU mm -hmm. athletics, that affects yeah. how many hours you can work somewhere else. So that kind of hurt me. Um, and then I applied for the Suns, but it was kind of the same thing. I got to the final stages of the interview and I talked to the guys afterwards when I didn't get hired I was just curious like what I could do better and all that and he said one thing that kind of held me back was just all the only videos I had been doing were like tv news type stuff and mm -hmm. documentaries yeah and I hadn't really gone into a team yet and started just making cool stuff mm -hmm. making social videos like so once once I got into the Georgetown job and I really honed in on that, I felt like I've really grown a lot since then. I've been learning a lot more of just different effects that I can do in Premiere, different types of visuals that I can create in After Effects. Um, 
I've just really had a better time, like learning how I can improve myself. And I've grown a lot since I've gotten over there. Congratulations. Got a little bit of time with the Wizards. So you got that team in, you got to make those social videos, those social clips, you got to do your thing there. Now you're working at Georgetown doing the same thing. Unfortunately, or fortunately for some people, social media kind of runs like everything now, as we've seen. So you kind of have to be good at that. Um, you know, broadcast TV. I know it's not dying. That's like a very big, um, I think, exaggeration. But I think it will be dead one day, or at least what we know and, and how it is. So you really need to understand how the internet works and the digital side of things. But kind of, right. man, this this is awesome. I appreciate you um, again for everybody. So all your socials will be in the show notes. Um, website will be there as well. That has the documentaries on it. I'll make sure to link it on YouTube as well. Uh, kind of, man, kind of Marlin. Manager of Creative Content for uh, Athletics at Georgetown University. Really appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thanks for having me on.